Will you join me in prayer as we wait for God's word? Lord, we thank you for this time to gather and to learn from your living word. God, be with us. Open our hearts and our minds to receive uh, your news and your good message that you want to share with us today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Today's scripture reading can be found in Psalm chapter 104, verses 24 through 34 and 35b, which is found on page 555 in your pew Bible. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There are the ships that go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you form to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be to be God. God. Thank you, Lindsay. Our second scripture reading today comes from the letter to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 27. It's on page 158 in the New Testament section of your pew Bibles and available online at home. Hear the word of the Lord. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope, For what we do not see, we wait with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Pray with me. Lord, we simply ask today for your presence, that your spirit might fall and intercede in us, working through us your mighty power. Like a rushing wind, we pray that your presence would be felt as we worship you today, and that we might be ourselves swept out by that wind to go and love and serve our world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So one of the ways that my family has sustained itself through the season of COVID-19 
and the quarantine and disruption of normal life is for the three of us to get out of town in little bursts. Over the past year, we've rented Airbnbs on the east side of Washington State. We've stayed with family and friends. We've ventured out to the San Juan Islands and taken simply long drives together. The movement is most of the time enough. Enough of a change of scenery to help us get our heads clear and to come back to the difficult work of sustaining communities amidst this pandemic. Now, my son Asher is six. He finishes kindergarten this week. Can you believe that? And as we've traveled a little and stayed a little and rested a little together, I've watched this little person grow up and learn more about himself. He is a joy to watch. His enthusiasm, his imagination, and his tender heart. Now, as he grows up, I can see the tenderness as it translates into longings and desires. He has ideas. He has things he wants to do, and he's learning how to make them happen. Drawing and building and narrating stories, it's all tied up in his heart, his hopes, his longings. One thing that has struck me of late is that as we've adventured a little bit and seen new scenery, Asher starts to long for home after a night or two. There is this sweet, tender part of him that starts to long for his own bed, his toys, his home, even if he's having the most adventurous time elsewhere. His heart longs for home. Something, sometimes this comes across in words spoken, but other times it is in the soft welling up of tears. You can see it in him, in this tender, tender place, desire and groaning and longing to be home. Now, we've reached the end today of our flourishing creation series that we've been walking through this spring. Today, we celebrate Pentecost, and with it, the hope of flourishing creation as we are, humanity, and as we have been given domain to steward creation itself. Over the last several weeks, I've asked you to look out into creation to see the glory and grandeur of God, to witness God's presence in the created world. And today we turn then our eyes inward to ourselves, to the promise of creation lived out in humanity. At the same time, we as well sense the longing the tender desire to return home, to find ourselves again. Because while we appreciate that God has made humanity, placed this world uh, around us as things to steward, and given us what we need, while we appreciate this, we recognize the disparity between what is hoped for and what is. What we long for and what the world is actually like. And what Human, being human costs, and how we navigate that pain. Now, I just would ask, would you say that humanity is flourishing in creation? Perhaps you would. We are at a place in the human story 
where we are able to heal many diseases, solve many struggles, intervene in many places of pain and suffering like we have never been able to before. We flourish in the face of adversity. And yet, humanity struggles as well. We fight. We see it in the racism that plagues our nation. We see it in the deep divisions and hatred that play out in the holy lands of our world. And if we look to the scriptures on a day like Pentecost, we think of a band of disciples fumbling their way forward in the aftermath of Jesus' ascension and their longing for the Spirit to come. Today, we're not going to look at the familiar Acts chapter 2 passage of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Very grateful for Ryan telling us the story. So we've had that part already. But rather, today we're going to look at Paul's encouragement to the Roman church as they learn what it means to rely on the Spirit's presence. The hope that is not found within, but a hope and a longing that speaks of a deeper belonging in the Spirit and as God's people. So let's explore today's text a little bit as it illuminates the hope of the Spirit and the longings of our hearts as we resonate with the Roman church's situation. Romans 8 is a whole chapter on what it means to live in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life, which is found in Jesus Christ. There is life, and then there is life in the discovery and abiding in God's presence, which connects and knits together all creation in the Spirit. Now, preceding our passage that we heard this morning, there's a long discussion about the interplay of human flesh and God's spiritual gifts that are meant to bless and call out the flourishing of all humanity. The church faced suffering and hardship, longing. Now, I don't want to equate my six-year-old's longings for home too directly, but for Asher, this longing is in his body, and it's a glimmer of the longing we all feel for a true home and to come home to our bodies where the Spirit abides and blessed us and makes us whole. We have become heirs to a home of God's making here on earth, longing for it to be made whole and renewed in the love of God's Spirit. And so we get to verse 22 in chapter 8 of Romans. And we hear that all creation is groaning along with us. Like in labor pains of birth. The longing we feel is painful, aching, groaning. And while we know the birthing process precedes new life, we also know that it's not easy. And it can be violent and disruptive. So very much akin to the groanings that we witness in humanity through the suffering and struggle of our age. We groan at the wars that plague our world for violence and division in Gaza. We long for a return to life in safety as we wonder how long our world will be plagued by disease which preys upon the vulnerable and the poor disproportionately. And it is with this groaning in us that we also catch glimpses of what could be, what is possible, what may come to birth in this process. In my work, I am privileged to sit with many of you and others and hear your stories 
and desires and longings and pain. It is sacred ground to stand upon and sacred space to hold. And in these stories, in the memories and the hopes for the future, I hear this groaning of humanity, this longing for things to be made new and for a home to be found. Now, oftentimes these words are not spoken directly, but behind the stories are cries that sound something like, How long, O Lord? How long? Verses 24 and 25 remind us that we are a people of hope. And hope is not found in what is manifested in front of us. For Asher, my son, hope is the longing of home and his place of refuge. Now for our community, hope looks like the longing for what is yet to be realized in us coming back together full community and in connection with one another after such a long separation. Hope also looks like liberation. Liberation from the bondage of sin, yes. And liberation from the oppression of sexism or homophobia, racism, and the plethora of other oppressive systems which hold power over humanity. Liberation is not needed when we are all free. Liberation is a mark of hope for a world where someday liberation need not occur. And so Paul says, we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it in patience. To practice Pentecost, the celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit, is to wait in hope and patience. We wait for what we cannot see and yet anticipate and live into its presence as it surprises us and shows up amidst our longings. We're reminded that we don't conjure this up ourselves, we don't know how to pray as we ought, as verse 26 reminds us. Rather, we are met by the Spirit who prays for us, who moves through us, who quickens our hearts and ignites that Pentecost fire in us in a way that we cannot do ourselves. There is a reliance here, if you hear it. We need God's Spirit. We call for it, and we long for it to fall upon us. For we see how well we can accomplish the restoration and renewal of creation on our own, which is not very well. But we anticipate the way that the Spirit is able to do much more than we could ever imagine. I love verse 26 as well, of the way that the Spirit is sighing with us in sighs too deep for words. Spirit is translated in the Greek as pneuma, and in the Hebrew as ruah, both words synonymous with breath. The Spirit is breath beyond words, the presence beyond manifestation. Again, back to my son for a moment. His tender heart, and longing for home often doesn't find ways to articulate itself clearly or in co coherent sentences as a six-year-old. But what it does communicate, or the way he does communicate, is in a deeper way. It's his sighs and his tears, his snuggles, his affect. 
I myself, I have to admit, I'm a bit of a sire. It's a family trait, actually, if you know my dad especially. Hi, Dad, if you're out there. <clears throat> While I have the capacity to speak many words, as you all know, often I find myself sighing out a deep breath when the words don't come, when the feelings are too complex to put nouns and verbs to. Sighs are what is left when words fail. And it is the very breath, this very breath, that the Spirit moves in. These sighs that are too deep to be fully articulated in language. These are the longings of the heart made real, made breath. As a people who long for the flourishing of creation and the restoration of all things, our imagination and our hopes are limited if we lean only on human ingenuity and bootstrap action. Instead, this is a space where we can discover true flourishing, that we then lean on the Spirit who then sighs with us, joining in the work. And so what does this look like? On this Pentecost Sunday, what does it look like to receive the Spirit and let the Spirit guide us deeper into the work of restoring creation to the point of flourishing? Can humanity flourish with the Spirit's presence here and now? One of my biggest struggles is that I get stuck in my head, ruminating over things that I hope about or I worry for, I can mull and mull and mull and spin and spin and spin. I hope there's others in the room who know what I'm talking about. What this looks like, the spirit action for me, is an attempt to move beyond the rumination to the hope of flourishing life and remember that that is where I am called. What I mean is, while it is pretty often that I act as though I can take care of my own desires, there is such beauty and power when I remember that I have a partner in those longings, the Spirit. And friends, this is prayer, to sit and hold all of the things that I long for and to invite the Spirit as a partner to sit with me to intercede and listen and speak into my concerns. This happens individually, but it also happens communally. Where there is division and animosity, it is often that we have not invited the participation of the Spirit to be in that conflict, in that discussion, in the movement toward growth. But communities built upon the Spirit's power are communities that learn to work through discord, to find places to dance together with our differences, that the work of God is compelling us to move forward in collaboration and mutual support of each other. No matter how different we may seem or how divergent our perspectives may be, the Spirit knits together communities. Honestly, I don't believe we would have been able to manage this difficult year of being apart from each other if not for the work of the Holy Spirit who has knit us together. 
It's just too hard for us to have done this ourselves. We divide. We get distracted. We find another path to follow. But thanks be to God, the Spirit has continued to encircle us and draw us back to one another, has helped us to commit more deeply to one another within the bonds of Christian community. And so today I encourage you, seek the Spirit in your longings. Perhaps you resist this invitation, not trusting that the Spirit is there or that the Spirit would welcome you. To this, I encourage you to remember, God is good. God loves you. God knows and has placed those deep desires in you, the longings of your hearts. And they come from a place that always is longing for and looking for its way home, knowing that coming home means going into the beauty and goodness of God's presence. God gave us those desires. And God has made us to love, made us to serve, made us to create and bring about this flourishing around us. It is the work of the Spirit to assist that, not to get in our way. So I encourage you to find the light of Pentecost in your own lives today and know that it is the breath, the Spirit of God in you that is calling you towards life. Finally, it is the Spirit who breathes upon our community, our world. What is on offer is an opportunity to breathe with the Spirit, to participate in the Spirit's work of enlivening and calling all creation to its flourishing. This is humanity's work. This is the work of the church. This is the work that is revealed in Pentecost Sunday as we've heard the story. And this is the hope of our world. That one who breathes in us is breathing through the strife and turmoil of our world to make all things new. This, to this we say, amen.